What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Expected Bets for your weekly NHL gambling podcast presented by the Odds Breakers. My name is Patrick Gates. You can find me on Instagram at Gator Sports Betting and on Twitter at Gator Betting. We'll now bring in my co-host, uh, Matt. You want to say what's up to everyone? Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, it's Matt here, Top Trader Picks on Twitter. Eventually, I'll branch out to other social medias, but right now we just got that one. Um and yeah, hoping we can kind of keep that trend. The last couple of weeks have been very profitable with some of the plays that we've been calling out early. Hopefully we can keep that trend going. All right. And this week we have a special guest for sure. You can find him on Twitter at Gretzky Betskies. Did I say that right? I just want to make sure everyone knows where they can find you. Yeah, it, it is Betskies plural because unfortunately someone else had the Betsky uh, Twitter handle, <laughs> but we're rolling with it. Uh, I love it. Hey, do you just want to spell that out for everyone just so they uh, they know where to find you? Yeah, sure. That's uh, just G-R-E-T-Z-K-Y-B-E-T-Z-K-Y-S. All right, perfect. Yeah, be sure to go give him a follow. He's extremely knowledgeable kind of in all aspects of the NHL, so definitely one of the better followers on Twitter. All right, well, let's get into it. We'll be breaking down uh, April 5th uh, games. There's 10 games on the board, but first let's get to some general NHL news and notes. Anaheim recently uh, got over an 11 game losing streak, uh, defeating the Coyotes of all teams. So Besky, we want to start with you as the uh, Arizona native there. Yeah, sure. So I'm a, I'm a desert rat over here. So kind of became a Coyotes fan 15 years ago. Oh, geez, was it it's way, way more than 15, 25 years ago when they first came out to the desert? Uh, so that game, um, luckily, I was at a wedding and cutting a rug at that point and pretty much trying to jump into the DJ booth to announce all my hits throughout the night. But um, didn't have to didn't have to see the, the mess, but I did catch uh, kind of what went down at the end of the game. Um, you know, was an ugly scene. Uh, being a Yotes fan the past couple of years with Tockett as a coach, he never let guys kind of stand up for the younger kids on our team. He let people get ran on our side. So part of me didn't mind seeing a little pushback. And then we've been pretty good all season. Uh, this guy, O'Brien's kind of been the enforcer. He's been injured recently. So I mean, we got guys like Beagle standing up for for uh, whatever sort of pride we have left. <laughs> yeah. And well, I first want to congratulate you on um, your acceptance to Arizona State University. I think that's beneficial <laughs> yeah. for every yeah. Arizona Coyotes uh, fan and everyone yeah. out there. So, any that's thoughts low. on uh, the new that's bar? That's a little low, man. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a party, though. I, I mean, seriously, if anybody wants to come out, Betsky will give you a, the tour of the campus and all the good party spots. So, <laughs> you can feel 20 again. I love it. Yeah, Matt, you can go ahead. I was going to say, what a shit show that game ended up being. Like, I just hate how the entire, I guess the entire narrative changed from Trevor Zegers, who scored a pretty special goal and like just keeps showing off like his confidence and his skill and these highlight real plays. And instead we're talking about, you know, what happened at the end of the game, which I understand kind of sticking up for your team and having a little bit of pride, but like, at the end of the day, like you're going to beat up on someone just for being that much better than you. Like I, I hate it. I think that's very old school NHL. And I know a lot of people like to preserve that, but I don't see the reason for it. I get if there was a bad hit. I understand if they were doing something 
you know, we don't, we don't know what kind of the trash talking going on. That's pretty big mm-hmm. in the NHL, but like, I hate every bit of it. I hate the coyotes announcer kind of doubling down on it and saying they deserved it. Like if anything's like, that's even worse to me. And then they interview him again, like today. And he's like doubles, like triples down on it again. I'm like, God damn it. Like yeah. I'm trying to get you out of this hole. Yeah, no, our, our broadcast team, uh, I mean, Tyson Nash used to be an enforcer and he, he's got a couple one-liners. He just kind of recycles. And uh, that was definitely cringeworthy. I, I watched the video on mute initially, so had a little different perspective and then watched it with the full audio and it's just shaking my head at, at Nash and, and the broadcast team. Yeah, I think I saw he has like 700 career penalty minutes, so he might not be yeah, the most yeah. biased. And, and, I think he said like hot dog in it and pepperoni pizza or throwing his jock strap in the rafters about five different times. I don't know. It's, he's got some cliche moments. He just kind of cycles through them and yeah. <laughs> kind of a, one of the more violent aspects of the sport being on full display. You may want to tone down on some of those uh, one-liners, <laughs> but yeah, um, I thought it was interesting that we saw almost the complete opposite uh, event happened in the jersey game with uh subin and, and the hit on hughes where it was more of kind of an instigation standing up for your star player the hit was pretty clean i thought but yeah, um, I thought, I thought you know really a little a little rough house and then shoving around and kind of setting that tone i thought i thought that was that's more what i i like to see yeah i mean you just absolutely hate to see Hughes go down. Like I have absolutely nothing to watch the Devils season anymore. And if we talked about this right before, if, if I'm the devils, I don't bring him back at all at this point anymore. Um, like I said, if he's banged up, just take him out for the rest of the year at this point. Um, but overall, I love what Subban did. I don't think that hit was dirty. I know a lot of people in on social media are saying he led with his knee. It didn't look like it had like any type of malice or intent to it just an unfortunate play like Hughes tried to the really shifty player tried to get out of the way ended up you know going knee on knee like I said unfortunate play but I respect the shit out of Subban kind of sticking up for his teammate whether it was clean or not I think the Devils are another team that they've let their kind of smaller guys and younger guys get pushed around a lot uh, without anyone really fighting back and happened to Jack Hughes earlier this year when he separated his shoulder Um, no one really stood up for him I'm glad someone stood up for him right now uh, and I think it's a really big problem with the Devils. They're, overall, as a team, I think we're pretty soft. Uh, I, I'm not, you know, in the 80s where everyone has to kind of be a power forward and be a tough guy, but I definitely think there's liberties sometimes being taken against some of the younger players. And, you know, it's not like the Devils are making the playoffs anytime soon, but if that time comes, you're going to have to have a little bit of sandpaper and, and toughness because the playoff physicality goes through the roof. Yeah, Matt, I want to stick with you there for a second. Is Ruff on the hot seat at all? I've seen seen a few articles kind of mention that he might move in the offseason, so I wanted to get your take on that. He should have been fired like six months ago. <laughs> uh, I think his seat's not – he's not on the hot seat. His seat's on fire, I think, at this point. I can't possibly see a way that he returns. I don't think it's all on him. I think a lot of it's like we have historically bad goaltending this year, and – I think that's part of it, but he and his entire coaching staff in general have been pretty bad. I don't know a single Devils fan who I think would stick up for him at this point. I personally would like to see him gone. Um, So I would be shocked if he is back next year. 
at the same time, I could see a world where ownership might say, or the general manager, Tom Fitzgerald says, our goaltending was shit. Let's address the goaltending, give them the first, I don't know, 10 games or so, and just kind of see what happens, right? Like see if it really was all goaltending. Cause funny enough, our underlying numbers aren't terrible, but I personally wouldn't want to see him back. I think he has to be on the hot seat. Uh, and if he's back next year, I'll be really surprised. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree for sure. And then coming off again and kind of touching on the devils, their most recent game versus the Islanders, um, Islanders won what four, three in that one. Yep. Talk about a team that just peaked too late. I mean, you really look at the numbers of the Islanders, what started 14, 13 games on the road this year. Um, I know a lot of people had them kind of as a future again to make uh, make a cup run, but They've been much better as of late, but they just uh, dealt with dealt with a bunch of injury issues, COVID all year, and now they kind of seem to be the Islanders team that we uh, hoped that they were kind of all season long. Yeah, I mean, they're a team that I agree with you. They had everything go wrong at the wrong time for them. Like, they started on the road 14 games in a row. I think they got back home and had that intro to UBS Arena, and then like half their team went down with COVID before they started canceling games for COVID. So they had tons of games where people are missing and now they're 11 points out a game in hand on Washington, but they're one of the hottest teams in the NHL. Like I know we've been saying the, the NHL playoff race in the East is done. I think it's done, but the Capitals have one bad week and they have lost two in a row. They have one bad week here. Islanders keep winning. Like we might actually have some race here. I'm not saying it's there yet, but they look good as of late. They're one of the hottest teams in the NHL right now. Yeah, yeah I haven't looked at it. I would I'd be curious who has the tiebreaker there. My hunch would be that Washington does, but I, I don't know offhand. Well, as of right now, the Washington Capitals have 32 regulation overtime wins. The Islanders have 31. Okay. Um, if the Islanders are going to overcome a nine-point deficit, I'm going to assume yeah. they'll overtake that and have the tiebreaker, though. Yeah. Um, again, I'm not saying that's going to happen. Let's not kind of speak in existence, <laughs> but – <laughs> just like i think two three weeks ago me and uh gator were talking about it and this was like a 17 point gap like it, it's come down pretty quickly uh there's only 12 games left it's tough to make up that much ground but it's not impossible crazier things happen if the caps kind of let their foot off the gas yeah, yeah and i mean you you gotta hope i mean if if you don't make it you got a top 15 ish draft pick you, you got atu ratty last year in the second who's had a great year in finland Noah Dobson's going to be a little bit more mature. He's going to be a little bit uh, kind of tighter on all ends. Uh, Barzell's definitely kind of taking a step up this past month or so. Um, I mean, just kind of re-roll it. I mean, you clearly have a good team. Just like you guys mentioned, everything went wrong that could have gone wrong. Yeah, I think the Islanders' big problem is they're the oldest team in the NHL. They're, everyone kind of knows their window isn't long at this point with this core they've already traded away a ton of their picks and, and kind of going for it and they don't have a lot to show in the prospect cupboard so like this is it like they really need to like make that run next year because they have an old team you know they're relying on zach parisi and zidane Chara's. they're you know top four top six wingers like these guys are almost up in 35 years old they have a really good young goalie i think barzell and dobson they have some really good young pieces but they really need to get a move on uh, from some of those kind of veteran pieces. Um, and interestingly enough, I'm looking at Washington's schedule. They have a brutal run in <laughs> for the rest of the season. 
including, look, if you really want to get interesting, two of their last three games are a back-to-back home and away against the Islanders. If you, yeah. if it gets close, there's a four-point swing right there. And looking at Washington's next games, this week they have Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, Boston. The week <laughs> after they have Toronto, Colorado, Vegas, and then Toronto again. Wow. I mean, they have, it, they do they, have Montreal and Arizona in between those. Yeah. But they don't have any, they don't have gimmies coming up. They have some really good games coming up against good teams. Yeah. That's, that's a crazy schedule to try to end with as you have the hottest team in the NHL breathing down your necks uh, in the match. And then even looking at the Metro, Carolina hasn't been great as of late, like kind of the upper three. Carolina hasn't been great. Rangers haven't been great, and Pittsburgh really hasn't been great. They've all kind of barely broke 500 in their last 10, um, and I don't even think Carolina has. But that's – I mean, the Islanders are just a team you don't want to face right now, and I don't know if you have the Islanders schedule up in front of you. Yeah. To I was, see what they have. I'm just going to play devil's advocate. They might have a tougher schedule. Oh. <laughs> they got to they go to Carolina, to St. Louis, a home-and-home back-to-back against Pittsburgh. They got to go to Toronto – if Florida come in at home, again, obviously they have those two Washington games. They end the season with Carolina, Washington, Washington, Tampa Bay. They have a pretty tough run in as well. So I think that's just kind of the nature of the beast being in the Metro. It's really tough. Or even this whole Eastern Conference, it's just tough to find easy wins uh, outside of like New Jersey, Montreal, Buffalo. And even then, Montreal and Buffalo have been pretty competitive as of late. So they're not an easy win anymore. It's it's just tough right now to find wins in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, no, I completely uh, agree there. So I guess kind of moving off this, we'll uh, we'll head to the Pacific Division, I guess. Um, Vegas in dire straits right now, basically trying to hold on to that last playoff spot. I believe they have one game up on who's it right now they have one game up on dallas who's dallas has been good as of late they uh dallas has three games in hand uh with 68 vegas is 71 vegas is 82 points dallas is 81 what what does vegas do if they get into the playoffs with the donoff patcheretti stone i mean what what is their thought process there i want to hear from kind of you guys of what you're kind of thinking that vegas does i guess moving even if they get into the playoffs well i I think it yeah, I, I mean, I think we're about to say the same thing. They're hoping to do what Tampa Bay did, and yeah. they make <laughs> the playoffs. Tampa, <laughs> the cap cap hit or what is it? Salary cap is basically moot point. Doesn't matter anymore, and they are just going to play twenty million dollars over the cap. Alec Martinez, I think he just came back. Is another five million added on. They're just going to say fuck it, <laughs> and they're just going to play a ton over the cap. Their win yesterday against Vancouver, alongside Dallas's choke against Seattle is huge because if that didn't happen last night, Dallas would have been a point up on them with three games in hand. It's crazy how one week changed stuff. Vegas was almost out of it. They've won five in a row to kind of get back in a decent position, but even then they're still in big, big trouble in my opinion. Like they're going to have to claw and scratch and hope Dallas, you know, loses some games right now because they're in a really, really bad spot. Well, lucky for them, uh, Dallas is going up against that really hot team we were just talking about a moment ago tomorrow. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess let's uh, let's get into tomorrow's slate. For I was just going to say one more thing because yeah. I didn't realize 
I didn't realize that Nashville's been kind of clawed into this. Like, at what point mm-hmm. did Nashville get like? I thought they were pretty dead set on you know being a playoff team. They have they're tied with Vegas one point ahead of Dallas. Like they go again, go on a bad run. Like they are absolutely not out of this. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of like the Metro. I mean the Central Division outside of the Coyotes, who it was still weird that they're in the Central now, but. Um, it's, it's a tough division. And I mean, you can feel like you're doing really well. And in the back of my brain, I keep on thinking Nashville is like a top three team in, in their division, but here we are. I mean, they're sitting there at that fourth and then hanging on to that wild card spot. The, the, the silver lining there is they got three games back. So Vegas is at 71 played Nashville and Dallas are at 68. Yeah. I mean, those games I'm looking, so I'm looking at the potential first round matchups right now in the West. If Vegas was to get that second wild card, they'd face Colorado in the first round. Talk about a wild first round matchup where you think Colorado's kind of obviously the Western Conference favorite and Stanley Cup favorite, and they go against the team that eliminated from the playoffs last year and has their number. There, there is almost no team I'd rather play less than Vegas come to the playoffs. They're probably the most experienced team of players on that besides like Tampa Bay that have been there, done that. On top of that, they're going to get Mark Stone back. They're going to get Max mm-hmm. Petrotti back because they're magically going to heal the first week of the season, yeah. the first week of the playoffs. So they're going to be great. That's going to be a scary team. Been there, done that. Aside from Jack Eichel, if they make it, obviously. i throw that shot in there. Um, I If I'm Colorado, I don't want to play them. But at this no. point, Colorado is pretty nailed on for that first spot. It's not like anyone's catching them. So Colorado's got to hope they either jump Nashville or miss out completely. Yeah, I agree. All right. I guess let's uh, let's get into Tuesday, April 5th, NHL games. We have 10 games on the board, some pretty exciting matchups. So I guess we'll start with Carolina heading to Buffalo. That's good with you guys. I uh, hate to cut you off. Did you want to go over the awards real quick? I know oh, that yeah. Was one of the, the talking points. Yeah, let's do that, actually. All right. So obviously NHL season's coming to a close soon. Uh, we can start with the Hart Trophy. A lot of discussion here. You hear all the NHL insiders debating between Matthews and McDavid. I guess there's arguments for either side here. Um, current odds, McMatthews is plus 160, McDavid's plus 175, and then after that, Drysaddle comes in at plus 700. So it looks like it's a two-horse race, which we kind of all expected here. Any thoughts, you guys, if you had to pick one or the other here? I kind of lean one way, but I want to hear your thoughts on this. I am going absolutely for Austin Matthews right now. The numbers he's put up when I believe he's missed like 10 or 11 games as well with injury. If he played a full season, he might be on for scoring 70 goals this year. Most of them being five on five. I think another thing helping him towards winning this is I think the media just has a hesitancy to always see the same person win the same way you see it in the NBA where like they don't, even though LeBron James could be incredible, they don't like giving it to him every single year. I could see that kind of creeping in where, look, we don't want us or Connor McDavid winning it every single year. Cause he, if you, if you bet on who's the most valuable player on his team, he'd probably win every single year. If you just kind of didn't look at anything else. So I like Austin Matthews. I think he's been great this year. And I'm really interested to see how the Leafs do in the playoffs because if they bounce out again, I is this the year they finally have to break up? Like, you know, that core if this does fail again? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
another so just looking at this from an Oz perspective, dry sidles 700 to one or plus 700, seven to one points per game. He's 1.44. Matthews is 1.4 and McDavid's at 1.52. Is there any value you think on dry saddle here, or is it just Matthews and McDavid? I think it's Matthews or McDavid. I mean, this whole kind of resurgence, um, because you know, people are throwing jerseys on the ice in Edmonton a couple months ago, and they have terrible goaltending, not saying that Toronto's is all that much better. But, I mean, at one point here, Edmonton looked like they may not even make the playoffs. Yeah. And now they're sitting here kind of firm in the third place in the Pacific. They're kind of pushing for second place, which would stink because then I don't think we would – oh, no, what Calgary would be playing first wild card anyways. But um, I think – maybe if they can squeeze into that second spot in the Pacific and maybe, I mean, even start to knock at, at the top of the Pacific, then maybe that consideration starts to happen for McDavid. But I'm on the same side of Chad's here that uh, I think, I think just having the same player get it over and over and over is never the best look. And you want to diversify the league. I think, I think Matthews has got to be the guy. And again, at, Dry sidle, maybe if he goes on and keeps this kind of tear on his goal scoring pace going, maybe there'll be more of a conversation there. But I wouldn't be willing to put anything down on it yet. Yeah. I also I also don't think Dry Sidle really will get that chance. I think he gets overlooked by the media a lot mm-hmm. with McDavid. If the Oilers do go on a run, like Gretzky said, I think McDavid's gonna get it. I think it's a two-horse race there. Um and in terms of anyone else in the field, like it's going to be a tough argument on anyone else. It's somewhat surprising Marner's not at least hovering around Drysdale. I know he was out for so long, but I mean, he's really carried the team on his back at times. I, honestly, I'm looking at numbers here. Like, is there anyone else outside of those three that even come in the conversation? No, I think really. at, at one point Huberto was there. Mm-hmm. I think he's kind of, I don't know why really, but he's fallen off that kind of conversation. Kirill Kaprizov has been one of the hottest players in the NHL in the last couple of games, but he would really need to pick up the points if he wants to kind of get in that conversation. Yeah. And with everything going on, I'm not sure how much the league wants to prop up the uh, young Russian straight from the KHL two seasons ago. Yeah, good point. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not- I, we'll, sorry, we'll get on to this next, but. Any thoughts on Igor at 11 to one? I mean, without him, the Rangers aren't even close to where they are right now. That's another, yeah. I was going to say, I think he blew his chance. Like I I was actually pounding for this for like about a month ago or so. I'm like watching the Rangers play being in the New York area. Like I watched a ton of their games. He genuinely at one point deserved to be the league's most valuable player. Like the Rangers team was like, 27th or 28th and five on five like you know advanced analytics and his expected expected goals saved above average like something ridiculous uh, i genuinely think he had a shot for it but this last like three game or no last like 10 games he's really cooled off he had that really bad start against the devils he had another i, I believe he had let four goals against philly uh three goals against the islanders and then the game but right before the devil's game he had another bad one so he's had like a really bad stretch and just a bad time for that 
Yeah. All right. So heart picks. We'll go around the table. Obviously, Matt, you're going Matthews. Besky. I'll do Matthews. Yeah, I think he takes it for sure. I think kind of summing up everything you guys said is that the NHL just wants to give it to someone new here, and he has deserved it. Um, all right, so we can move on to the Vesna. This these odds really intrigue me. Igor's minus three fifty. Markstrom's ten to one. Vasilevsky's twenty five to one. Where's Anderson? Anderson looking for him. Matt, do you have it up at all or? No, oh, so I don't, I don't see him up here. See him. <laughs> on no. DraftKings. No, so it'd be, it'd be probably under field, right? At plus 400. That just seems off though. Why would he not be offered? I don't know. But so looking at the current uh, goal saved above expected, Anderson is plus 33.3. Igor's at 30.8. Um, obviously Anderson is a better goals against average as well. So yeah, I'm not sure why Anderson's not showing up here, but eager at minus three fifty, And if Anderson is falling against falling into that, uh, category of fields, any other player not listed at plus 400, that's an interesting bet right there. Yeah. I mean, looking at the numbers, there's really no other goal you can go for, right? Yeah, it's Freddie Anderson or Igor Shosturkin. Like I said, Igor's been a little bit colder as of late, but I think this one's pretty pretty much done. The Rangers would be fighting for a playoff spot if it wasn't what he did earlier this year. I think it'll be really, really tough. He'd have to have like a brutal collapse the rest of the way to even make this a discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Besky, any thoughts on that? Or No, it's it's pretty hard to argue any other side of that. Yeah. No, I agree. All right, so we'll move on to the uh, Norris then. So Kale McCarr is minus 240. Roman Yossi is plus 220. You have Hedman at plus 900. Fox at plus 2,500. McCarr looks like the uh, front runner here, obviously based on the odds, but Yossi has more points than him uh, given McCarr was out for a little bit uh, this season, but Thoughts on the Norris guys in terms of the odds? I love Roman Yossi, man. Me I don't too. know if he's going to win it. I just hope he does. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we were talking about it on Spaces, I think, two weeks ago. Um, I mean, it's kind of jaw-dropping because he's clearly been doing this all season, but everybody was kind of blinded by what Makar was doing, what Fox was doing. I mean, Yossi's been a great defenseman for a while, so it's kind of like the new kids on the block are kind of knocking around, and all of a sudden it's, you realize Yossi was on pace for 100 points at one point. <laughs> yeah, so Yossi has 66 games played, 81 points. Makar has 65 games played, 75 points. Makar <laughs> um, obviously is a better plus-minus, but, yeah, I mean, you get Yossi – and that race at plus odds, I don't know how you don't take it right there. That's some value and a half if I've ever seen it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love, love, love Roman Yossi at plus odds here. Um, again, Makar is kind of that shiny new toy. Like I said, I think a lot of people in the media go towards that. And don't get me wrong, Kale Makar has been absolutely electric this year. Like, he's so much fun to watch. Having him and Mc, or McDavid, just McKinnon on the ice at the <laughs> same time is like exhilarating must-watch TV. 
but I just love Roman Yossi. This guy's come through for the community so many, so many times with the shots on goal. Like he's uh-huh. just our guy. Like we got to back our guy. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree. Um, I mean, really there's tons of risk factors. I do like it. Plus money. Uh, if Nashville somehow drops out of the playoff race, yeah. there's probably, but I mean, the Norris generally is the highest scoring defenseman. And right now you'll see got a great shot to do that. I, first off, I hate that notion. Me too. Like, why, why have we gotten to this point? Like this was be the best defenseman in the NHL, not uh, who can score the most. Like that doesn't make you the best defenseman in the NHL at all. No. All right. Out of, wait, out of curiosity, who do you guys think is the best overall defenseman in the NHL then? I mean, it's hard to argue against Hedman, but McCarr may be now. I personally speaking, like I would put a ton, and I'll argue Jacob Slavin. I love watching Jacob Slavin yeah. play. Yeah, I think like defensively, he's the best defensive D man in the NHL. Like actually doing the job that he's supposed to be doing. Like he's incredible. I love yeah. him, but I agree it's tough to go against. Um, Victor Hedman or even Devin Taves is really good defensively as well. And I know he's pretty high up on this list this year. Yeah. I agree with yeah. Ben. Even Ekblad too, plus 38 this year, just a solid D man, especially he's going to come back for Florida this year as well. Well, it's one of my favorites to watch. Um, and that's a team that's just absolutely loaded. That's, I mean, moving forward into the playoffs, I don't know. Florida's obviously one of the favorites, but I mean, Jesus, they've already, so they've already clinched. Um, and they're just playing for seating now at this point, I believe. Yep. So, all right. And then we'll move on to the last one. Rookie of the year. I got to go Mo. Yeah. He's minus 190 right now. <laughs> Raymond's plus uh, 425. Zegers plus 500. And Bunting plus 550. So those are kind of your four front runners in terms of odds. I, yeah. I think that Bunting – I mean, he may end up with the most points as a quote-unquote rookie, but after Kaprizov got it last year and all of a sudden the, the spotlight kind of came on to the fact that he was much older than some of those other rookies, I don't know if the NHL will, will go for another kind of overager playing his first season next right next to Austin Matthews on top of it. Uh, Zegers has kind of dazzled everyone, though, so for plus 500, it's not terrible i i was gonna say the same thing if you're telling me the media is voting on this and you you look at trevor zegers like highlight tape from this year uh-huh. and some people aren't being swayed because he's scoring some ridiculous goals he's doing the michigan he's going between the legs like mm-hmm. he's just so much fun to watch uh, i agree with you uh most cedar cider i don't want to mispronounce that um absolutely deserves it but man trevor zegers absolutely one of my favorite players in the nhl and I could see some people being swayed by it, just like I said, because he's highlight real material. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those, uh, he definitely expands the game, definitely gets kids excited about it. I mean, his all star shootout move was Stone Cold Classic already. And there's a lot to like there for um, just bringing in some kids and letting maybe a fan favorite win a pretty big award. But uh, what most done too is just, absolutely crazy and shows you just how good of a gm eiserman is and yeah the red wings are going to be very scary down the road here 
everyone was calling that a crazy pick when he made it. Too. Yeah, I, I, he's been really good this year. That was a uh, total out left field pick, kind of laughable, and here we are. I got to say, like, USA hockey, though, in terms of, like, young up-and-coming talent, like, that's a stacked forward core, at least. Like, I was just looking at it. Like, obviously, you have Jack Hughes, Cole Caulfield coming up. Um, Trevor mm-hmm. Seekers, as you mentioned. You already have Austin Matthews. Isn't that old? Alex Debrinkit's there. Like, Thompson. There's some, there's some really good young players coming up through there. Yeah. I mean, you talked about the pretty much the NHL's new shiny toys. They literally brought Zegers into the all-star game and just like put him on display mm-hmm. because just they pretty much created the event for him, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Like, like they did. So they literally just like, all right, you and Hughes, you guys are best buddies. Like go out there and like market the shit out of this. Exactly. Yeah, I, it totally feels almost identical to when Kane was kind of breaking out and did the whole Superman thing. Yeah. No, the NHL the needs more players game. like that. Uh, like, I think it's if you want to grow the sport, you want to grow. You want fun young players who do some crazy shit that speak their mind. They aren't PR tested or PR trained to just give you the typical boring answer. Like, I love everything about Jack Hughes, Trevor Zegers, guys like that. Yeah. So, so you mean you want a lot less, uh, you know, in the interviews and post game? Yeah, I want uh, a lot. Uh, you le- know, it's, I want it's... a lot less of we just got to get pucks in deep, guys in front of the net. Yeah. Like, no, I want Jack I know, Hughes to be like, I just be out there. I want Jack Hughes to go. No, the plan today is for me to go coast to coast and dangle every single person on the team. <laughs> everything John Tortorella hates. That's what we want in the NHL. Exactly. Watch him become <laughs> like the next. Everything. Coach of the Tor- yeah. Oh my god, that honestly, that would be a. I don't rate like NHL uh, inside the locker room series or something along that. If they had them mic'd up, basically what the NFL does, um, that would be incredible to see the interactions of just like the players faces, just when Torts comes in pre post game and just rips them apart. I think what was, it was earlier this year when Zegers said that, like he threw the puck over the back of the net. And mm-hmm. I think it was Sonny Milano, like, tapped it in. Yeah. yeah. And John Tortorella was like, this is bad for the sport. Like, this is, yeah. like, I'm like, come on, man. And now that's that play is on every NHL commercial. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we, we've dwelled long enough. We could go into the games now. Sure. All right. The John Tortorella hate section is uh, officially closed on. <laughs> so, all right, let's get into it. Carolina travels to Buffalo. Talked about it a little bit before. Carolina's four, three, and three in the last ten. Sabres are five, two, and three in the last ten. Sabres kind of found a spark lately. Uh, the young guys are clicking uh, up front. Essentially, they're averaging more goals, allowing less goals on back. Anderson, obviously coming back from injury, certainly helps them. He's been kind of a veteran presence that they need in terms of the back. Aaron Dell was there for a while. He should never put on the pads again. He is a disgusting goalie. I don't know why the Sabres ever signed him. Uh, I am number one Aaron uh, hate club member. I can't stand him. But so Carolina opened at minus 240 here, shot up to plus 250. Sabres are around plus 200 here with the over-under set at six here. So preliminary thoughts on this one here, guys. We can start with Betsky or Matt, whichever one uh, you guys want. Go ahead. I mean, uh, Betsky, if you want to, I have a thought, and I think most of us will be on the same side of this. 
Um, I'm not touching a Sabres money line right now. They're hot. No. So I'm, I'm not touching that. Um, early on, love, love, love the over. Uh, yeah. Carolina. I, we, you're I, kind of talking that about Carolina being a little up and down as of late, but these past couple games outside of that Minnesota one, they seem like that offense, that top line's really starting to gel again with the, a little bit of the line shuffling they've done. Yep. And then just overall numbers wise, Carolina last five, 4.2 goals, Buffalo scored 3.8. So right there, you're already adding up to eight goals. Um, same time Buffalo's allowing four in their last five. Uh, I, if I'm going to play something, I'll take the over here, like the little bit of insurance on a push. If we get like a four, two game or a three, three potential OT uh, cash here. So if I'm going to play something, I like the over. Yeah. I yeah. I, I, maybe look at some of the team totals, see if you can get some good uh, spots there. Maybe even little parlays with the team totals. I had a nice little, little parlay on a Saturday, I believe with doing, I think it was Tampa and another just caveman type decision of that team is absolutely going to get over that line. And sure enough, it hit. So yeah. Um, all right. I mean, they so they teams have faced off once before uh, this year. Buffalo at Carolina. Carolina won six to two. So the over hit in that one. The over is also six and one in the Sabres last seven overall. Interestingly enough, so they'll face off Tuesday night uh, in Buffalo. And these teams will meet again Thursday in Carolina. It's always weird kind of seeing teams match up against in back-to-back games. Do you guys mm-hmm. kind of have an approach to that? Of if one game goes under, you'll take the over in the next one, or if one team wins, you'll kind of fade them the next game. I'm curious to hear kind of what your thoughts are on this one. No, I, I, depending on how that first game goes, like, don't get me wrong. If you get an absolute like miracle over somehow, or you had like right bat wrong result, maybe I'll think about it. But overall, like if I like it in one game, I'll probably go right back to it. Obviously, depending on how goalies go out, like the big difference between Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta. Um, and I, I, I suspect they'd probably switch goalies for that next one if they go back to back, but we don't know. Uh, but for the most part, nothing changes on my end. You know, I kind of rewinding a little bit and talking about that money line. Uh, if for some reason Ranta's in tomorrow, I don't know if anybody's been confirmed yet, but it, it may make me think to sprinkle a little bit, but I mean, it's still Caroline right now. Um, as far as kind of that whole conversation of these like back-to-back, uh, two, playing the same team two times in a row, both different home stands, uh, we're kind of seeing it right now uh, with Boston kind of spanking Columbus. And at the time of this recording, Columbus is up 1-0. So it, it, I don't think there's too much to put into it, but especially if a team gets spanked, it seems like they come back a little bit harder that next one. So, yeah, interestingly enough, so the Sabres puck lines minus 135, and they've covered that number in four of their last five. The only one they didn't cover was their last game against Florida. So that might be a spot where I look at, especially if Ranta is starting and we do get Anderson, obviously on the flip side, if we travel to Carolina on Thursday and it's Tukarski and Anderson, that's a complete mismatch kind of on that end. So I think you're right on there to kind of wait to see which goalies are confirmed in this one. But yeah, no, I definitely think this could move to six and a half. It's already started to shift. uh, So it opened at minus one time on either side of the total. Now it's at minus 120 for over six. So this is a definitely a number that I could see before puck drop moving to six and a half. So if you do have that number right now, I think there's some value for sure on it. 
Yep, 100% agreed. If I play anything here, it'll be the over, only because minus 250 is too juiced for Carolina. Buffalo's been too good as of late, which I can't believe I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not taking a money line against the Hurricanes right now. No. Any uh, player props you guys are targeting outside uh, Tage Thompson? Or, um, I mean, Tara Vinan's been hot as of late. I was going to say, Tara yeah. Vinan's been much better as of late. He kind of had like a five-six game spell where he was down. Uh, but he's been much better to play. My only problem with him, especially on shots, is he's much better at home than away. I don't know his point kind of chart off the top of my head, so that's something I'm going to have to double-check, but I know for shots on goal, he's significantly better at home. Uh, this top, Those top three guys in Carolina are great parlay pieces right now. Uh, I would eye Domi. He hit he had an assist or two assists on his first game over at Carolina and had top six minutes at something to kind of monitor the one guy I love on Buffalo right now. And just tons of value across the board for either picking up assist or point as middle stat. Um, he's been really clicking as of late and really starting to kind of show uh, why he was picked a top eight or top 10 at least. Yeah, no, I think that whole young core of cousins crabs, and then you even have uh, Quinn down in the minors as well. Um, so I think the Sabres definitely have uh great core moving forward and they have the most cap space this off season as well as three first round picks one from florida and vegas as well so very curious to see kind of what they do in the off season um but all right i think everyone's kind of on the over here guess we can move on to the next game uh columbus traveling to philly mm-hmm. uh philly mentioned before recently broke their losing streak of uh four games so They'll face on the Blue Jackets, who are taking on the Bruins as we speak on Monday night. Uh, again, this is another game where these two teams are going to face off back-to-back uh, in Philly on Tuesday and then in Columbus on Thursday. Columbus has been awful as of late, lost their last six. Um, kind of, I guess they had a brief glimpse of hope into the playoffs uh, a few weeks ago and kind of really just played themselves out of that. Philly is actually a home favorite here at minus 125. Columbus is at plus 105 in the money line with the over-under set at six and a half here. So I'll open the floor to whoever wants to uh, take this game. Uh, If you're telling me that Philadelphia is a a favorite in this game, I'm just going to put money on Columbus. Philadelphia is not good enough to be favorited against anyone in the (laughs) NHL. Like the Columbus Blue Jackets might have lost a couple of games in a row, but they're much better than the Philadelphia Flyers. The Flyers traded away Claude Giroux. They're playing. We talked about in the space yesterday. They have players in their mm-hmm. top six that literally seem like generated AI names. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, will be taking that- the Blue Jackets money line and probably the over. Uh, it depends. I still has to kind of, I still want to take a look at, you know, how the Columbus game ends right now. I know Boston just tied it up. So there's one, one uh, in that game. I, I think I like the over. Uh, in the last five games, Columbus allowed 4.2 and Philly's allowed 4.8 goals. So that's a lot of goals allowed um, on both sides. Goaltending has been pretty bad. Carter Hart's been a little bit better this year than last, but still he's got some really bad defense in front of him. Yeah, it's really one of those things where, I mean, Philly almost looks like they're playing better. It looks like they have a little bit more of an identity, but when you're playing half of your AHL team, on your main team right now, your main lines, your top four defensemen's going to be populated with some of these AHL guys. Top six has some names I've never seen. 
I mean, at some point, no matter how good what you're playing, you're just going to get beat by talent. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So the over is six and one in Philly's last seven. So obviously Columbus is coming off uh, back to back here. Interestingly enough, so on the year, Columbus is three, six, one and one on no days rest. They're 0 and five after huh. a win, but three, one, one and one after a loss. So definitely something to monitor after after the uh, Bruins game tonight as they uh, kind of head into Philly tomorrow. But yeah, I, absolutely jotting that down. That's a, that's a great little stat. Yeah, so that's uh, that's something to notice. And yeah, um, Matt, I pretty much agreed with you kind of here. Whoever is offered a plus money here, I, it's going to be the bet. Um, there's not that big of a difference here between these two teams. And if you can get plus money on Columbus, which I think are kind of a better team, um, I'll take it. So it looks like Barubi is going to start uh, for Columbus here as Merzlikens uh, is in net tonight versus Boston. And he'll go up against Hart who hasn't been anything special um, as well. So I agree with you um, on that end. Jumping on that team total right now, Columbus is at minus 160 for over 2.5. That's a nice little piece if you wanted to jump on either Buffalo or Carolina's team total over. You said 260, minus 260 or minus 160? Minus 160 for over 2.5, yeah. Yeah. I like that. I think – you should see goals in this game, whatever it is. So I think a <laughs> yeah. lot of player props. I think on top of that, I think you have the 31st and 29th ranked teams and shots on goals. So it's going to be a really good one uh, for a ton of player props, different pieces, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So interestingly enough, the overset six and a half here, but it's juiced the under at minus 120. Over six and a half right now is plus 100. Any sort of value you think there is on that at getting six and a half at plus money? Hundred yeah, percent. Like I, I just said, it. Columbus last five is four point two allowed. Philly last five four point eight. You have nine goals right there between the two of them in their last five. Uh, these two teams have been allowing a shit ton of goals, and the Blue Jackets have a really good offense. Like if they kind of come out of their funk, they can score a lot. Um, I think at plus money, I think it's really really good value. Yeah, I would agree for sure. And then any kind of player props you guys are looking at here? Hayes has been solid recently, both on yep. shots and getting a point. Super, super valued, too. I mean, he's still hanging around that minus 105 to minus 120, depending on the matchup or if he had an off day. Uh, I think he hit both shots and a point yesterday. So he, it may be juiced up a little bit more, but I would, I'd be circling his name and see what it lands at. Uh, we've kind of talked about on spaces. JVR has been kind of hot and has some yep. great value there. I love I was, doing some lane little parlays, staple him to somebody else. And I was yeah. going to say, I love, love, love um, JVR. He's been really consistent. I was late for a point. Um, he's really him and Kevin Hayes are really the only two veteran. I put veteran quotation marks. Mm. Um, players there. I know Travis connecting he's been playing for a while now, but he's still pretty young. Um, like it a lot. I, I like that a lot. I think you need someone on Columbus side. Uh, and I think for Columbus, one of their, I guess, hotter players that might not be super juiced is probably Oliver Bjorkstrand, whether it be for a point, a goal or shots on goal. I like him on kind of every single one of those. Yeah. So he said is over uh, 2.5 shots on goal in three of his last five. And then line a has gone over two and a half in four of his last five. 
The issue is line A does struggle a bit away, averaging 3.2 shots on goal at home and only 2.6 away. So just something to note there. Do we, do we, does anyone like a little bit of Jacob Voracek revenge tour? Oh, get an assist, a point. I mean, I think almost all of his points are assists. So. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, uh, it's kind of, he's kind of like the Nick Backstrom this year of just slam the assist and take the plus money or, or the, yep. yeah, yeah, that's not a bad one. No, I agree I, with you on that. I one. love my revenge tour angles. Yeah, absolutely love those. Yeah, for sure. All right. So, anything else to kind of add on this uh, goal, Palooza? Uh, just that's how it. many redheaded players does Philly have now? <laughs> I mean, I have to bring it up. They acquired Owen Tippett. I mean, it's comical. Yeah, that really <laughs> is absurd. That, that's. <laughs> FanDuel or DraftKings need to special on that of how many shots on goals the Redheads or how many points the Redheads will get a night for Philly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Red Hot Tuesday. <laughs> exactly. You know there's going to be a, nearly some sportsbooks going to take you up on that too. Any promo that they can offer, they're <laughs> yeah. going to do it. Yeah, sure. don't give me too many ideas. Exactly. All right, let's head on to one of the better games of the night. The Avalanche traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Penguins. So this line opened at a pick but has since shifted uh, towards Pittsburgh at minus 125 on the money line. Colorado's plus 105. The over is still at six right now, but it's juiced at minus 120 here. Interesting game for sure. Obviously, Colorado's not as dominant uh, on the road as they are at home. Pittsburgh's much better at home. Uh, Pittsburgh did lose their last one. Uh, they did recently play where Colorado won three to two on April 2nd. Kemper really had a great game. Jerry also wasn't bad as well. Even though it was three to two, Pittsburgh had 3.39 expected goals and Colorado had 4.13 expected goals. So that game went under and the total was set at six and a half. Now it's set at six. Any initial thoughts on kind of that? Initial thought is I love getting the avalanche at plus money. I think that's that's really, really good value. Yes, they're not as good away from home as as home, but they still win double their games away from home. Um, on top of that, I think they've won eight of their last 10. Uh, aside from Minnesota, they're the hottest team in the NHL, most points in the last 10. Uh, and Pittsburgh's one of those teams that they have a better record away from home than at home. It's not a huge difference, but they are slightly better percentage-wise um, away from home. So love Colorado here today or well tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll probably lean Colorado here too. Kemper's finally kind of being the gold under that they paid up for. Um, I, I don't know how much of a bias I even have if, if he's not the starter. Um, you mean future New Jersey devil next year, Darcy Kemper? <laughs> <laughs> or Gibson. No, well, well, Kemper's a free agent, so we could just sign him. True. That's why I'd rather go after him. But true, uh, they're they're just one of those teams, uh, Colorado. If you're giving me plus money on their money line, I mean, I'm sorry. They how many points do they have? 104 points in 69 games. Yeah, like plus money. I I'll just take that to the bank. Yeah, and I don't think they're the type of team that's going to take their foot off the gas pedal right now. It's it's still about. 12 games or so out. 
I mean, there's a lot of hockey left to play, even if they have anything clinched up or as soon as they do, it's, I think they're just disciplined enough to kind of keep it rolling until maybe those last two, three games of the season. So I don't, I don't think, I don't think they mind beating Pittsburgh <laughs> tomorrow at all. No, I, one thing to take a look at Colorado this year has been an underdog three times all year. Uh, they've only won one of those games. So if you want to take a look at that, I guess, but um yeah, I'm, I'm still going to absolutely hammer the Colorado side of things for Moneyline here. Yeah, I'm actually going to go the opposite side. I'm going to take Pittsburgh at home here. Um, just given the line, I think Vegas set this for a reason. It opened as a pick and it has since shifted by 15 cents towards Pittsburgh here, just based off the early line movement. I think Pittsburgh wins this one. Um, I get you're getting Colorado at a much better price, but just given – Vegas's first kind of inside look into this game based off the line movement. I like Pittsburgh at home here. Um, based off kind of every inclination in a neutral site, Colorado would be heavily favored um, for sure. But just given kind of what I'm seeing, I'm going to take Pittsburgh at home here. Okay. Um, look, I, I get it. These are two really good teams. Uh, Pittsburgh's still up at 92, 93 points. Like they're a very good team. I just I think Colorado when they want to like they have that next gear oh, they have that next sure. level yeah and that's um, why this taking that make, that makes very dangerous basically of laying uh basically giving up plus money in Colorado is yeah so I'm curious also, to see how the line moves though kind of as everyone starts to place their bets tomorrow um, before puck drop just really curious to see kind of how that line does continue to shift and is that correct Colorado's last game was against Pittsburgh yep. I swore they played like a week ago. I don't know why in my head that game was like a week ago. No, it was April 2nd on Saturday. No, you're right. I, and I remember that game pretty vividly because Darcy Kemper stood on his head. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he had to play really well to win that game. Um, like I said, doesn't really change my mind. I still like Colorado on the value play, but that is something to consider. Like Pittsburgh dominated that game. Yeah. And interestingly enough, too, uh, the under is 4 0 in Colorado's last four. So when you're really looking yep. at this total set at six, um it is something to note there all right any player props uh obviously i think burakovsky jumps out if i'm not mistaken yeah it's tough on the player prop side of things pittsburgh i know at home is pretty stingy defensively um the guy that i've been kind of hammering for a while now with mckinnon shots on goal he isn't the same away from home Um, so i kind of want to stay away from that i had valerie and chuskin for a while um, but I think he's been bumped off that first line now. So it, it, curious to see kind of what the line combos are. There's really no one that I love. Like you mentioned, Burakovsky is now up on that top line. Yeah, it's it's interesting because when we we're talking about how good their record has been of late, it almost doesn't feel like they've been winning that many games just because they've been winning three to two, three to one now instead of, you know, eight to two. <laughs> so yep. it's kind of a weird perception. Um, I'm probably going to lean towards Pittsburgh shot on goals here because I think they're going to be playing really hard to get that win in front of their fans. I think they're going to be shooting a lot. Uh, they tend to shoot a little bit more at home too. Um, Colorado's a decent enough target. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. Important to note, Kadri and Landis Gug both out. Um, those are two big pieces. I know Landis oh. already been out for a while. Um, Kadri, I think last game was his first one out. Um, and I think they said he's going to be out probably until the playoffs at this point. Um, so interesting to note, that could be another reason why that Pittsburgh line 
is kind of moved up. Um, but yeah, like I said, I like a lot of the Pittsburgh guys. Uh, Brian Rust at home, automatic. Give yep. me Brian Rust at home every single day of the week. Um, and Evan Rodriguez, anytime I don't bet on him, hits a shot. So just if just ask me if I'm betting on him tomorrow, and there's your free leg lock of the day. All right. Yes, be sure to go give uh, Top Shutter Picks a follow for your Evan Rodriguez prop bet uh, tomorrow. <laughs> and then uh, Colorado is in a nice spot as far as giving up nearly four penalties a game. So at 3.88. So kind of top 10 team that kind of can get a little chippy and get a little undisciplined. And we know Pittsburgh can absolutely capitalize on that, but especially in that shots department. Yeah, and something else to note, too, Colorado's power play has been absolutely on fire in the last 10, converting at a 42.86%. Um, Pittsburgh's PK has taken a slight downtick, about two, two percentage points, basically, in terms of that. But, um, yeah, without Kadri, um, it'll be interesting to see kind of yeah. who steps up onto that power play. And Pittsburgh's actually, they give out the least amount of penalties, so... It may not be a great matchup if you want to try to do a power play point or anything like that. If you're looking for a good shot on goal angle, then if you're if they are going to take that many penalties, uh, I think Colorado's bottom ten in the NHL at shots on goal out against defensemen. So Chris Letang might be a really good nice, uh, yeah. option right now. Write like that, that down. All right. Anything else to add, or are we good to move on? That's going to be a great match. I yeah, I agree. I, I mean, if you're going to look at the last game, um, you might want to go back to Darcy Kemper saves. Like I said, he just had a really, really good game against them. Um, especially at home, you expect Pittsburgh to come out hot. Let me just double check his game log to give you the exact number. He finished the game with 38 saves on 40 shots. So he was really, really good. Game before that, he had 44 saves on 45 shots and a win. So Kemper's been hot as of late. I like it. Um, all right, let's head to Matt's neck of the woods here with the Rangers taking on the Devils tomorrow. <laughs> Rangers are minus 155 on the money line. The Devils are plus 135. The over-under set at six, slightly juiced uh, to the over on this one. New Jersey's lost their last three. The Devils or the Rangers have lost their last two. But in terms of the last 10, the Rangers are 6-3-1. and one. Devils are 2-7-1. and one. Hughes, obviously, we talked about before, is out. Um, Jesper Bratt's also been struggling as of late. No points in his last three. Um, the Rangers are 5-1 and one in their last six road games, and the over is 4-1 and one in the Rangers' last five as a favorite. Matt, you want to start on this yeah, one? Yeah, I mean, really quick note, I don't think he's going to play, but we haven't had an update about Jack Hughes at all since yesterday. Um, so we don't know if he is out. I expect him to be. Yeah, um, it's tough, right? Because I love the Devils over. Devils over has been kind of free money as of late. Uh, but two things. One, if Jack Hughes out, I really can't see the Devils kind of being very offensive and scoring and generating chances. And Igor Shesterkin coming off a couple of bad games in a row. If he is starting tomorrow, uh, he's kind of due for another good game. Uh, so that kind of hurts pretty badly um, on that side of things. Um, so I think for the most part, I'm going to stay away from this game completely. If I do bet it, I need to wait one to see kind of who is playing for Jersey tomorrow. Um, and on the opposite side of that, obviously waiting on goaltending if Georgiev's playing or, or Shesterkin. So looking at team totals here, 
Um, over three and a half for the Rangers is up plus a hundred. Um, and that is including OT, but if you exclude OT, Rangers over three and a half is at plus 115. So I don't know if there's any value on here, depending on who starts uh, for the Devils tomorrow, if it is Dawes or uh, Gillies. It literally doesn't matter who's in that. Yeah. <laughs> like... I mean, the, the, the only argument you can make is how much, how many goals the Rangers score on the power play. And Jersey actually are six least penalties given. So they may not get as much time on it, but the refs just feel bad for us. Like they're already losing. Like, <laughs> why are we calling more penalties? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that the Vantrano point line's been really good to you, Chad. I haven't been able to get it on Caesars. Um, I could probably dig around if I wanted to, but um, cops been on fire too, but He's lines, no. Yeah, it's all they yeah. So um parlay pieces is kind of the way I look at it as far as a props angle. Um, you know, maybe if if you want to be brave enough to take somebody in the jersey top six, their lines are still great, but without Hughes, I mean they slumped in scoring when he was out. Seems like he he shares just so much better, kind of being a little bit sheltered and having kind of that being on the second line and getting a little bit of uh, kind of matchup. So two props, two props for you. One, this is only sticking in my head because I remember Walla and Griffey talking about it. Dougie Hamilton shot on goals when Jack Hughes was out, were like through the roof. So if Jack Hughes is out tomorrow, there's one piece to look at. Uh, and two, uh, I mean, this, this is Griffey's guy. He's hidden, I think, six in a row now. Jacob Truba, <laughs> Devils yep. give up the third or fourth most shots on goal to defensemen. I think you have to go back to Truba tomorrow. Um, only thing is we got to take a look at, um, you know, what his line is. I think after hitting six in a row, he might get juiced. I think he was at 120 last game. Um, so interested to see how that goes. But other than that, I think Truba is a really good looking option for tomorrow. Yeah, I like both those uh, bets and that. And then just a quick question for Matt here. Um, Devils rivalry talk. Rangers or Islanders? Rangers. I, I, we, Rangers, or sorry, Islanders and Devils fans get, get along with their hatred of the Rangers. I don't hate the Islanders at all. I have a couple of friends that are Islanders fans. Like, they're more like an annoying, like, brother. Like, sometimes they annoy you, but we really don't hate them. Not to mention they have like last year they had like half our roster with like Corey Schneider, Andy Green, Kyle Palmieri, Travis Ajak. Like I don't really hate them yeah. at all. If anything, my second most hated team is the Flyers. I can't stand the Flyers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like most people feel that way um, about Philly sports in general. So I mean, even their own fans hate hate the Flyers right now. So yeah. All right. Anything else to add on this game? I don't have a play here. Um, I like watching i think i'm gonna monitor that dougie hamilton prop as well as Truba on that uh kind of close to game time but anything else to add here on this one guys no not from my end all right perfect all right let's move on to another great game of the day the ottawa senators traveling to the montreal Canadiens. here is a battle for the bottom in the atlantic (laughs) division so this game opened as a pick'em has uh, since shifted to Ottawa as the favorite at minus 115. The over is set at six here. Um, 
Interestingly enough, Ottawa's won their last two. They took down Detroit in a home-and-home, home, beating them 5-2 to two both times. Montreal is coming off a great win in Tampa, um, defeating the Lightning 5-4 to four in a shootout here. These teams have faced off twice before this season. Uh, Montreal won the, has won both matchups uh, this season. So interesting to see them as a home dog in this scenario. Any kind of prelim thoughts here? The over is obviously kind of gone uh, as four and one in Ottawa's last five. So I I like the over a lot today. Um, I was just going to mention it's gone over for the last five. Um, for Ottawa, Montreal just scored four against Tampa Bay. They scored four against Florida. They're able to score, you know, goals against pretty good teams. Um, Ottawa has been scoring as of late, although, I mean, scoring against Detroit, I don't know if that really counts towards anyone's numbers. Um, but I still like the over at six gives you a nice little bit of confidence for a possible push. Uh, and both teams have been scoring pretty well as of late. Um, so I, I like that. And Ottawa just killed me the last two times against Detroit, both times you're looking, I put at the under both times it was looking great. And I think both games had four goals in the third period. So yeah. heartbreaking. Ottawa has been tricky. They shift really quickly from being an unders team to an overs team. It seems, uh, and it seems like they've gotten most of their, their forward core back now. So Batherson's back from injury. Yeah. Norris is back from injury. So I think a lot of that has to, to fall on. And there's still no goaltending on either of these teams. Um, Canadians team total over is at minus 170 for over 2.5. Another great parlay piece. I think we're talking about Columbus as another one to pair that with if you want to over 2.5s. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go for the over here. And Yeah, no, I agree with uh, both of you guys. I'm definitely on the over, especially at six right now um, at minus 110. So interestingly enough, the over opened at six, but it was juiced at minus 115. Now it's back to minus 110. So that's also just a, something I thought was interesting given kind of the recent form of both teams. Not sure why that's the case, but looks like it's going to be Forsberg and Allen and that uh, tomorrow who, again, haven't been great. Uh, Forsberg hasn't been awful, but Allen hasn't been great this season. So, all right, any player props you guys looking at this one? I know Cole Caulfield's been really good at home. Again, I yeah. don't have his entire thing in front of me right now, but I remember jotting that down um, recently that he's been really, really good at home. So I think that's one piece to kind of look at, whether you're looking at shots, points, goals, whatever you want. Yeah. Um, other than that, I think on Ottawa side, Josh Norris has been really good as of late. I think you need someone on Ottawa side with how many shots Montreal gives up. Um, so whether it be Josh Norris or... Um, if you want to even go Brady Kachuk, I think those would be pretty good shots on goal targets. Brady hit yesterday in Buffalo. He's pretty streaky and kind of going one day on, one day off. So one thing to kind of note with him. But um, Canadians give up the fourth most penalties too. So if if you want to drop a point on pretty much that top power play unit for Ottawa, you're probably going to be somewhat safe there. Maybe even dabble in a power play point because we know the goaltending's not so hot in Montreal right now. Yeah, Ottawa's power play has actually been better in their last 10. So in the season, they have an 18.9 success rate. In their last 10, they're up to 24.14. So that's a great stat to uh, add on that one. So I like that as well. Definitely something to monitor. I'm going to mark that down right now, actually. So, all right. Anything else on this one, uh, guys? I think we're all on the over here. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now let's actually get to one of the better games, the Leafs uh, versus the Panthers. So both teams have won four in a row. Uh, Toronto's taking on Tampa Bay tonight. That game's currently tied 1-1 as we speak. Florida's uh, hasn't played many good teams lately. Buffalo, New Jersey, Chicago, Toronto's kind of uh, hasn't really either. But I guess tonight they take on the Lightning, they face Philly, Winnipeg, and then Boston, which they uh, upset them at home. Um, and kind of a shocker that I didn't see coming, especially Boston giving up six at home, which is just something you don't really see that often. Um, so on the year, Toronto's 5-4-1 and one on no days rest. After a win, they're three and two, but after a loss, they're two, two and one. The over under um, being five and three, leading towards the over in that one. So Toronto's obviously uh, a dog in this one, plus 145. Florida's minus 165 on the money line. The over under is at seven, opens at seven, which <laughs> we all knew was going to get there, but very curious to see that it was just opened straight at seven here. Usually you get like a six and a half, minus 135 line. Um, and it'll eventually move to seven, but they just opened it right at seven here. So thoughts on this one here, guys. Yeah. I mean, I'm a very big proponent of not touching over under sevens, but if you look at these two teams, last five, Toronto has nine, 10, 10, seven, Florida's at <laughs> eight, 13, four, 11. Like these two teams are scoring a crazy amount. Florida at home is even crazier. I think they scored like 4.4 goals on average all year at home. Toronto most likely is going to have, I don't, I don't even know who their goalie is. Who's, who's their backup goalie. <laughs> Cause I think Morazic get went down hurt. Campbell's yeah, playing tonight. Yeah, they may put him in back to back. They might have to, I don't know who else they have. <laughs> uh, Eric, uh, what's his name? Calgren. I probably mispronouncing yeah. that, but yeah, no, I think he's uh, slated to start if Campbell's not going. Yeah, I'll I'll be taking the over in this game. Um, I maybe yeah, go ahead. This may be one to kind of live bet too. See how yeah. dirty it gets within the first five ten minutes, and then uh, jump in. But, Not a bad point. Yeah. I think um, Florida three way money line for me. Uh, it should be close to minus one ten. Let me look minus at it. Minus one hundred five. Love that. They're 28 and five at home this year. They haven't lost a single game in overtime. So if you're worried about that, don't worry. I mean, they're 28 and five. <laughs> I'll just, just give me that line. Toronto's going to be coming off back to backs. The game today against Tampa Bay is going to be grueling if they do win it. Yeah. Um, and if they win line. it, you almost got to think that they've exhausted themselves and, and more power to that Florida three way reg win. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. Um, it, what I what I'm really hoping happens is Toronto goes up like four to one, <laughs> so you can jump oh on the Florida God. money line. <laughs> yeah, I guess Maddie, any concern with Bobrovsky's play as of late? Uh, he got pulled versus the Devils after allowing six, uh, then shut out Chicago, but allowed four to Montreal and then three to Ottawa. So he hasn't been great uh, coming into this. Pretty big matchup versus the Maple Leafs. I don't trust Bobrovsky at all. Yeah. I think that's going to be a big worry come playoff time. Um, he's been good this year, don't get me wrong, but as of late, his play's kind of faltered, and he's kind of in that mode where he's got to prove me wrong. Um, so curious to see what happens there. But overall, like I said, I'll be – I don't like seven, but I'll be taking the over today. Absolutely. 
Um, and yeah, I, I'll probably be taking Florida three-way money line as well. Yeah. I uh, definitely lean the over in this one. I mean, obviously seven's a number you don't really like to touch, but I think in here, this matchup, it makes sense. And their previous matchup in March of this year, uh, it pushed at seven. Uh, Toronto won five to two. So something to note there. But any player props on this one, guys, or what do you think? Both teams' entire top six. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Give, give me Morgan Riley. Or give me their Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> give me everything. I mean, I've been loving the the over 1.5 point props for Marner and Matthews because they hit so together so often. Um, kind of want to keep my eye on and see what happens tonight, but that's the spot I like. I mean, Hoover do over two point or 1.5 points is kind of a nice look. This may be a game where Barkov just goes full beast mode. I mean, pick it, plug and play here. I mean, I don't, there's an argument for literally anyone in the top six on both teams, all on shots, uh, points. I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm same thing. Agreed. That thing with uh, teams like Colorado, Florida that are awesome is they have kind of lesser players in their top six surrounded by stars that typically have really good value. So guys mm-hmm. like Carter Verhage and Anthony Duclair, not discrediting them, but they're just, not the same level as Barkov, Huberto, etc. But they usually get fairly reasonable lines for points, goals, assists, uh, that side of thing. That could be a really good um, option for tomorrow as well. Yep. Yeah, I agree for sure. All right, let's move on to the next game. Uh, 7.30 game, Boston heading to Detroit. Mm. The Bruins are red hot as of late, 8-2 and two in their last 10. Red Wings coming to this struggling, going two, six, and two in their last 10. The line opened uh, Boston minus 195. It has since dropped to minus 190. The over-under is still set at six, slightly juiced to the over in this one. Um, very interested of why this is set at six. This is a number that I could see moving to six and a half. Uh, come puck drop tomorrow, the Bruins are averaging four goals, four in the last 10 but have been pretty solid defensively, only giving up 2.5. Detroit struggled offensively, uh, averaging 2.7 in their last 10, but have given up 4.7 in their last 10. So, um, yeah, I guess one, obviously looking at the just kind of team stats, the Bruins are averaging 40 shots per goal or per game in their last 10, and then Detroit's giving up 34 closer to 35 in the last 10. So obviously you're looking at your Pasternak, your Bergeron's, your Halls, um, and this one for sure to kind of start, but any thoughts on the money line or the total here? Yeah, I think you have to take the over, right? Yeah. Detroit can't stop anyone from scoring. You really only need them to chip in one or two goals and to feel pretty comfortable about at least a push. Um, So I like that. My only worry is Boston on backs to back. I think that's kind of priced in. Um, you know, do they come out slow? Do they come out sluggish? Because they don't really give up many goals. Um, so that could be a worry. Um, but other than that, I think like the over and I like the extra kind of safety net of the six. Yeah, I think Boston coming up a back-to-back honestly helps um, the over in this one. If they do come out slower or whatnot, and Detroit can get at least one or two in the first, I yep. think it's uh, almost for sure going to go over at that point. So I don't hate Boston coming off a back-to-back. 
They're four and four on the year on no days rest uh, after a win. They're three and three after a loss or one and one. So nothing really to note there. Uh, the over-unders four and four as well. So um, yeah, no, I agree with kind of everything you said here. I think the over is the play for sure. And then uh, I touched on it before, but player props for shots, Bergeron's four or five uh, for going over three and a half uh, Hall's gone over two and a half in three of his last five and pasta has gone over four and a half in three of his last five. So uh, another point or another prop that I've been cashing on three times in a row, we just cashed today as well. Uh, Charlie McAvoy, either point is usually about minus 120 is assists at right around plus 110. Both of them have been hitting, uh, I think three or four games in a row now. So they expected to be high scoring. He's a good piece. I like it. Betsky, any thoughts here? Yeah, I, uh, I'm kicking myself for not grabbing that McAvoy assist today. I had my eyes on it, but uh, Hoala is doing all right, too. Um, that top six is starting to really click. Craig Smith, you know, bless the guy. He, he was doing what he needed to do, especially when some of the key players were out. But um, it seems like that line of Hall, Hoala, and um, – pasta is really starting to get some chemistry going and and we're kind of seeing a complete top six in boston and getting some nice value on on that second line yeah that's a scary team heading into the playoffs for sure swayman can uh stay hot um so that's another team to kind of watch out for but all right any more thoughts on this one are we kind of on uh in agreement that the over is the play here yep yeah all right let's head on to the next one minnesota at nashville um, interestingly, Minnesota has won their last two. They're 9-0-1 in their last 10. Just red hot, second in the Central Division. Nashville fighting for a playoff spot right now, 6-4 and four in their last 10. This opened at a pick em and has Minnesota has since become the favorite at minus 125. Nashville's plus 105, the over-under set at six here. Any thoughts on this one? I'll open it up to whoever. Uh, wants to take this one this is tough um it's i don't love the over or the under in this game right now um i'm looking at it nashville isn't scoring a lot they're giving up a lot minnesota is scoring a lot not giving up a lot so i don't know this is this a really tough call on the um over under side of things i like the minnesota wild to stay hot um Nashville six and four in their last 10, still pretty good. Uh, but Minnesota's scorching right now. I, I, it'll be tough to bet against them. So to get them at minus 120 or minus you know, 125, whatever it is, I like that a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, even even kind of dabbling with the regulation win, uh, it's kind of okay for me with uh, Minnesota right now. And that's at plus 115. Um, a Tuesday match, Tuesdays is generally the highest scoring day of the week. So it kind of gives me a little bit of faith in the over, but we know every single game tomorrow is not going to go over. Um, so this one's too hard to judge on that side of things. So I'm probably going to stick with some sort of Minnesota win. Yeah. For me, this is a stay away. Um, yeah. Be one of the games I definitely watch. Uh, Cause it's going to be one of the better games tomorrow, but definitely there's just too much variance between these two teams, uh, especially given kind of how close they are in the standings and how much, Points do matter for both these teams tomorrow. So I don't have a play in this one. Any player props you guys are looking at in this one? I mean, Kaprizov's been yep. crazy for shots on goal as of late. Yeah. On the Nashville side of thing, Matt Duchesne have cashed two or three times in a row now for an assist. 
or point. He's usually like plus 125 for an assist. So that's pretty good value. Um, and isn't his shot sighting on goal a lot better at home? Or? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, I don't have it right in front of me, yeah, but I, I believe so. That up that. Yeah, for the most part, like that. Maybe UC Soros saves tomorrow as yeah. well, because I can see the Wild coming out hot. And if Nashville is going to win that game, he's going to have to have a really good one. Yeah, it looks like the goalie matchup is going to be Flurry versus uh, Soros tomorrow. So, again, the over at six is tempting. The um, It is juiced to the under right now at minus 115. So that's kind of something that's keeping stake, like, I guess, persuading me not to go over in this game. Preds do give the most penalties in the league. However, they have the second best penalty kill. They just practice a lot. They just practice a lot. Exactly. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) something to note, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Maybe maybe that leans in favor for Minnesota shots at the very least. Yeah. All right. I guess we can move on if there's nothing else to kind of touch on this one. Obviously going to be a good game, just not really betting wise uh, that good of a game. Next one's interesting. Um, The Islanders heading to Dallas. Both teams have gone seven and three in the last 10 Islanders, as we mentioned before, are kind of hope holding on to a hope and a prayer uh, to make the playoffs here. But Dallas is in the thick of things in terms of the wild card with Vegas and Nashville and that Dallas is a home favorite here at minus 135. The Islanders are at plus 120 with the over under set at five and a half. Um, that kind of originally jumps out to me. They have met once this uh, once this year. Dallas uh, lost the Islanders four to two in New York with the over under again set at five and a half here. So, any thoughts on this one here, guys? Yeah, that over is not too bad to hop on, but I've it's I've a worry a little, for me. It's yeah, it's a trap line. It feels like yeah, it this feels These like the two... biggest trap line of the day. These are two teams that are usually very low event. Um, you know, Dallas, especially at home, um, typically I know play pretty like low event hockey. I'm looking at the numbers. Dallas has scored 2.6 in the last five, allowing three, nothing kind of crazy. It jumps out on either side. Um, the one thing I like is the stars, either money line or three-way money line. The Dallas stars are a wagon at home. They're like 21 and nine at home. Yeah. Um, so I like that a lot. And I know that's not the best home record, but in terms of teams that are like, okay, or not seen as great, like they have a huge disparity. They actually lose more games away from home than at home. Um, so away from home, they're 18 and 19 effectively. And at home, they're 21 and nine. So like that a lot um, in a must win scenario for them. Yeah. They're also coming off that bad loss to Seattle. So they definitely need a good, um, whatever on a four game five game road trip so they head home now um yeah no i like that play of dallas even on the money line at minus 135 given how good the islanders have been as of late i don't mind laying uh the juice there but the three-way money line also does have some value so yeah i'm with you on that one sweet betsy any uh thoughts on some player props here or uh it's I mean, the Lee point props been good to us lately. Dallas, I felt like was one of the most trustworthy groups of player props with that hints, Pelveski Robertson line when they were rolling, but Mm -hmm. it's really been kind of all over the place. Sagan's been doing great again. 
Um, I'm, I'm not touching I'm, Dallas. I'm not right going to. Yeah. Hints fucked me uh, versus Seattle. He had two shots on goal. I had, I had him at two and a half, and that was just a brutal beat. Him and McCann, too, just said it, say that too, the whole game. So I will not be touching well, that on the um, blacklist. I absolutely started chasing. Uh, I think it was like last Tuesday night whenever Dallas played Anaheim and just kind of loaded up on some props on the side. And yeah, I'm not, miserable. I'm not touching a Dallas player. Um, I've been making a lot of money on the, the Lee point um, it's, lately. Yeah. So if that's not too juiced, I might go back to it, but I expect this to be a pretty low scoring game personally. So I always hate kind of taking a point because that kind of goes against the, the way I think a game's going to go. Yeah, and I noticed uh, yesterday during the Islanders-Devils game for a couple periods there, they, they were doing a really good job just kind of gunking down the, the neutral zone and just kind of starting to play a little bit slower of a pace and kind of dragging Jersey down to the way they wanted to play, which is really what we saw the Islanders do the past two seasons. So maybe they're kind of getting back into that uh, trots kind of style of uh, – if we can score one or two on you and you can't score on us, we win. So let's do it. Yeah. They jam up the neutral zone just really well and slow down kind of any offensive uh, production kind of coming into their zone. So yeah, five and a half here, stay away from me, but I do like Dallas on the money line here. So, all right, we can head to the last game of the night here. The Oilers taking on the Sharks. <laughs> Oilers are heavy away favorites at minus 175. The Sharks are plus 150 on the money line over under set six and a half here. Edmonton's scoring at an absurd pace in the last 10, averaging 4.8, giving up 3.3 in the last 10. Sharks offense has been, I hate saying this, but slightly better in the last 10, averaging 2.7. Um, <laughs> and their defense has been worse, giving up 3.6. So, yeah, I mean, Six and a half years, interesting total. Do you bank on Edmonton scoring five? Do you bank on, do you think San Jose can get two or three by to basically contribute to this over here? It's kind of a weird angle to look at this game. It is. Um, I lean on that over. That may not be something I feel too confident in unless I get some early hits in the day. Yeah. Um, Let's see really quickly the totals. I don't I, as you're looking that up, I don't love the the over under here. Um the Edmonton team total right now over 3.5 is minus 125, which is pretty decent. That's not bad. Um not bad at all. I think um especially if San Jose is averaging 3.6 in the last 10. Um right there. That's your yeah, my only then. my only worry. It's like you, you had to feel like Edmonton's due for a game, right? Like yeah. There's got to be a game eventually where they just don't go ballistic. Yeah. Um, which is it's a tough mindset to kind of bet against. Um, what's their three-way money line for a team that's been really hot? They're minus 125 if you want to take them in reg, in regulation. Um, the Sharks, I mean, they're kind of nothing. Uh, and I think the Oilers, they still need to win games. They're not kind of out of this playoff race as of yet. You know, yeah. they can kind of be drawn back in. Or they can even potentially leapfrog the Flames. They're only four points back of the Flames. Yeah. Um, so I like the Oilers to win this game. I don't know if I'll have enough confidence to go in that three-way. Um, six and a half is tough because I just don't know if the Sharks are going to score. Let me know if Mike Smith's in that. <laughs> well, he, he played he played yesterday, so 
I'm guessing he's not, but man, he's, Dave Tippett's got he's a man crush on Mike Smith. Goalie Smith so. He's yeah. projected a corner goalie post. I don't know if Koskinen's injured or what happened because I think Smith's played like four games in a row. And Dave, Dave Tippett and Mike Smith, their wives are probably <laughs> buying some houses because I know they used to do real estate out here in Phoenix. So they're probably budding up and getting Mike some extra some extra plays so he can go over to Jersey next year. Oh, so, Miko Koskinen's out with a non-COVID illness. So Stuart Skinner's uh, the backup. Ah, uh, well, that's... The problem is, is he better than Mike Smith or not? <laughs> yeah. So something to note in terms of the over, these teams have met twice this year, and both those games, the over was the total was set at six. Now we travel back to San Jose where they met once before. Edmonton won three to zero in San Jose earlier this year in February, but the total now jumps up half a point and is still juiced to the over here. That's tough. It's a weird line to kind of try to interpret why they bumped it up. I mean, obviously Edmonton scored what six, six, and four, yeah. um, and San Jose has given up what four, four and five, five, yeah. four and five. So, yeah, I mean, this is a tough one too. Um, well, and if if they're backups and they may play a little bit more conservatively, Drysile just got his fiftieth goal. Maybe they went out partying. Maybe they're going to just kind of ease up a little bit because now they've kind of hit some milestones and just kind of go back to playing kind of nitty gritty Dave Tippett hockey for a day just to get the win. You know, maybe it's going to be more about securing some wins here uh, as they get down the stretch and make sure they got the best seating as possible, so we don't have a battle of Alberta round one. Which would be electric, but oh, I know. and I am um, personally on the the prop side of things. Um, I know Dry Saddle's been absolutely automatic for shots on goal. I mm-hmm. think he's definitely going to be someone you look at. Um, it might be that now he has the fifty goals, he might not care mm-hmm. as much. So that's a little bit of a worry. Um, and other than that, I know Hyman's kind of gotten downgraded on the third to the third line now, I believe. Um, so that one's pretty tough. Uh, but we did cash on the Puglia Yard V point yesterday he's up on that first line so might not be a decent looking spot there yeah this kind of reminds me of boston right now that whole top six is really finding a lot of chemistry so yamamoto and pool party are getting you some nice value um on that point side of things kind of easy cash is yep yeah i agree all right anything else to add on today's games guys no i think that's everything on my end i'm starving yeah all right perfect (laughs) Well, I'll let you hop off. This has been another episode of Expected Bets 4. We want to thank Gretzky for hopping on. You want to plug your social again one more time so that people can find you? Sure. I'm on uh, Twitter right now exclusively on at GretzkyBetSkis or at Twitter.com. Try to just get in a couple props a day, a couple plays a day, try to put some humor in it. And of course, uh, the community has been awesome. All the support here. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's a lot of fun just being able to talk puck all day because out here in the desert, there's not quite as many people that like to chat about it as probably out there in the East. Yeah, well, we appreciate having you on. And Matt, you can always find him at Top Cheddar Bets. Um, picks. picks. Picks, please. Jeez. No, I'm kidding. There's uh, a, top yeah. Cheddar Picks. Top Cheddar know, Picks, yes. I'm thinking of bet skis and picks and too many thoughts <laughs> running through my mind right now with all these Twitter handles. All right, guys, that's been another episode. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye.
you guys. Thanks.